The shark is a majestic creature, but at its heart of hearts, it is a killing machine that will tear your body apart in less time than it takes to say, I wish I never set foot in the ocean. Are there any questions? Okay, let's move on to crocodiles. A, as in ape, acorn, apple. Wait, okay, nap time, everybody. Wake me up in two hours. Is that your mom? She looks a, a little thin to be your mom. Okay, Sally, thank you. Now, does anyone have anything for show and tell that isn't incredibly boring? No? Okay, go to sleep then. Ape, apple. Have I been pronouncing that wrong my whole life? Oh no, I forgot my lunch. Hey, Johnny, is that a roast beef sandwich you got there? How would you like to get an A in this class? Remember, my ears don't hear complaining. Did anyone watch The Bachelor last night? I will tell you about it in detail. Susie, I don't care about your problems, okay? I'm it. Oh, she's bleeding. And for story time today, we'll be reading Twilight. I could have sworn that you called it an apple, but there's an A in it. Based on a true story, listen up, girls. Terry has been a joy to have in class, easily one of the smartest girls in the group. Terry's a boy. <gasps> Terry the boy. The No Child Left Behind Act is flawless. Apple. It, it's able for sure. He is average. Just slightly below. <laughs> oh boy. How are you guys doing today? Good. Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for this time and your word that we're going to spend. Pray that you would uh, infect us with your spirit, that we would be able to understand and hear and know what to do with what you tell us to do. May we be changed from our time with you this morning. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a clip. No, I've got a clip. I've got a germ. There it is. We had a bunch of people that were so sick last week they couldn't come and help set up. So I, I'm looking at you and thinking, okay, you probably are recovered from the plague or the flu or the virus uh, that's still afflicting uh, many of us, uh, including my wife. So she's home. Uh, you can pray for her. Uh, I, would, I would have thought, wouldn't you, that zero degree temperatures would have killed all the viruses? But they, they seem to love zero degree temperatures. So maybe global warming would be good for us. I don't know. There's, there you go. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, part two of how to get what you really want today. Um, and at the end of the message, you've got some stuff on your tables, I hope. It's kind of a small group discussion guide. If you're in a small group, you'll be able to discuss it there. If you're not in one and like to be in one, let me know. We'd love to get a couple of groups going in the Arlington Falls Church area because uh, We've got about 15 people who've been coming since October who said they'd like to be in one. So all you need to do is let me know that you've got a place that you'd like to have four, three or four couples come in for an hour and a half once a week, and we will get something going in your digs, right? I'd love to be able to get that going. <clears throat> um, but if you don't have a small group, you can go through that yourself. You can go through it with uh, friends. You can go through it with your spouse. Uh, but it, uh, it's kind of a way of getting you, because we kind of said the last week, we can do these messages, but they're not really going to be as impactful uh, as you actually being able to kind of wrestle with the questions and wrestle with the answers yourself. I can preach all day, but you've got to go and kind of assimilate it for yourself, decide what it is that you want to be. So let's begin kind of how we began last week. What do you really want? 
What do you really want? And as we said last week, this is actually a really tricky question. Because whatever comes to mind in your mind when I say, what do you really want or what do you want, it's kind of parallel to some of the things we talked about last week. Uh, I'll tell you one thing you really want. You want your way. You want your way. I want my way. We all want our way. Uh, uh, we also want what we want right now, right? So on one hand, it's like, what do you really want? You come up with some pretty good stuff. But roaming in the background of our minds that drive a lot of our wants, a lot of our desires, a lot of our decisions is that we want our way. We want to do what we want to do. And we want what we want to do now, right? And so as we said last week, the problem is if we always get our way, sometimes we get in our own way. If we always get what we want, always do what we want to do, we might end up in a place we don't want to be. Like in the median strip, having, you know, having flipped off the person next to you, you're in the middle, if you were here at the beginning of the service, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, for people determined only to do what they want to do, well, we've got ways of keeping them from doing stuff they shouldn't do. We call it prison, right? Uh, but on the extreme side of that, that's prison, right? But most of us are not going to end up in jail. But uh, I think this is true for all of us. If you only end up doing what you want to do, you're going to probably end up in a place you don't want to be. So this whole what do I really want thing is really a tricky question. We also discovered something else. If we get what we want now, we may not be able to get what we want later. All, all of us have probably experienced this to some degree or another. We've all kind of undermined our futures just a little bit, undermined our hopes and dreams, because we got what we wanted back then, but now we realize, boy, if, I wish I hadn't gotten that thing back then. Here we are later, wish we could go back and undo the thing that we got earlier. Because right now, that thing we got earlier is keeping us from getting what we really want. And we kind of dug in deeper and said that really, Lurking in the shadows, lurking in the background of what we want is what we value. Not talking about terms of bargains, right? Talking about what is really important to you. And the reason I said lurking in the shadows is that there's very little in our culture. There's very little in media. There are very few actual relationships or friendships that will drive you to focus your attention on what it is that's really, really important to you. What is really of value to you. So lurking in the shadows, kind of in the periphery of what you want now, what I want to do today, who I want today, this is the job I want today, this is what I want to buy today, this is what I want to, like my husband to be today, this is what I like my wife to be today, this is what I like my kids to act like today, this is the stuff I hope my parents don't discover about me today. Lurking in the shadows of all those wants and desires are things that we actually value. And clearly this, the teacher we just saw, <laughs> does not have the value of mastering the material in college, apparently, or just keeping her job, maybe, once she got out. Whatever she put her time in on, it may not have given her, ultimately, what she really wants. So, if I ask, what do you want relationally? Maybe you could tell me. Well, maybe you want to get married. Well, okay, but what is, what are the value, what's the value? What are, you trying to, what are you trying to do? What's behind, I want to get married? Well, maybe somebody says, I'd just like to date. Well, that's great. You should want to date, but what's behind that? What do you really want relationally? What do you value relationally? I know a lot of guys who say they want this fantastic woman as a wife, and they can actually describe her to you, but their wants right now, like I've got this, uh, like this guy has to get his gecko haircut, okay, 
But that's not the only one that's out there that distracts you from being able to accomplish what you want. But there are people, guys out there, who have wants that are distracting them completely from actually becoming the kind of man that a woman they say they want would actually want. So their immediate wants are derailing what they say they ultimately value and what they ultimately want. What do you want financially? Well, you say, I want to be rich. But maybe your spending habits today, like what you want right now, is completely distracting you from actually accomplishing that goal. Maybe you're related, maybe you're relegated to betting on Powerball, right? Good luck to you. See, what you're doing currently shows the values that you actually have, regardless of what you put down on a sheet of paper. And so often, lurking in the shadows are the values that we rarely ever think about. And it actually goes deeper than that. What kind of a person do you want to be? We're going to talk about some of that next week as he does the uh, pulpit thing next week. What about your character? What kind of a person do you want to be? You think you know what you want, but do you know what you want to be? See, that's a value kind of question. And there's a big word we all hardly ever talk about. What about your legacy? When we hear legacy, we tend to think, okay, after I die, there's my legacy. Who cares about that? I'm dead. But I'm not talking about that kind of legacy. If you are a high school student, did you know that when you graduate from high school, they will either have good things to say about you, they will have bad things to say about you, or they will have nothing to say about you. College students, fraternity, sorority, whatever. They're either going to say good things, they're going to say bad things, or they're going to say nothing. So what about your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your kids to say about your home after they leave it? That's legacy. You leave your current job because you go to another job, you retire, uh, they dismiss you for some reason, downsizing or whatever. What, what do you want said about you once you leave? They're either going to say good things, they're going to say bad things, or they're going to say no things. That's your legacy. These are the kind of deeper issues, kind of value questions that should drive us past our surface, I want this now. And here's where we landed last week, and I think this is so true. You and I are never going to really get what we really want until we discover what it is that we really value. And here's kind of why we're digging into this. Because unless somebody fastens your attention on this, on what you really value, you probably won't slow down long enough to discover what it is. And, and nobody can answer this question for you but you. There's no, there's no preacher. There's no, there's no teacher. There's no book. No one can ask this question, answer this question for you about what you really value but you. But it's important because you're never going to really get what you want until you actually aim at what it is that you actually value. You've got to discover that for yourself. And this is kind of interesting. Regardless of what you think about God or Christianity, and even if you're not religious at all, what I just said is true for you. This isn't a religious thing. Just a thing thing, right? Christians or otherwise, until you discover what you value, you will never get what you really, really want. Now, as Jesus followers, okay, we uh, take this one step further because we actually believe there's a God who uh, is in heaven that wants us to call him Father. We believe he sent his son into the world for us. And the fabulous thing about Jesus is that Jesus consistently pointed people to value instead of just immediate wants. He consistently pointed his audience past what they initially want 
to what they would ultimately want, beyond what's right in front of me to what's ultimately going to be in front of me. So we believe as Christians this, that we will never get what we really want until we discover what is most valuable. And we believe that Jesus points us to that which is most valuable. But look, even if you're not willing to go there, you still need to figure out for yourself what is most valuable to you. Now, having said this, you'd think, yeah, I'll spend 20 minutes on this. Pretty easy. I can figure this out. We'll do a little exercise, do a little reading, get a pen and paper, write some stuff down, and we'll find out what's most valuable to us, and, and we'll go from there, right? And next week, he's going to give you a little exercise, I think, uh, to work through. Uh, but here's what I want to focus on today, because this is not easy. Not easy. And, and here is why it is not easy. Because you and I, choosing what is most valuable to us, goes against everything that we are, naturally. It goes against what we are naturally. Choosing what's valuable is not natural for us. And the reason that this is difficult is not because you lack discipline, not because you lack education, not because you lack uh, information. And this is not going to be resolved by simply more data, more training, better discipline. It's, it's about something much deeper than that. There's an internal conflict going on in all of us that we all experience between what comes natural for us and what is maybe most valuable, what we ultimately want. A conflict is Paramore kind of saying, you know, hurting is what you get when you simply go along with what your heart wants. You end up maybe not where you really want to be. You end up with not really what you want. And most people are never able to break through the natural to embrace the valuable. But when they do, everything changes. And I want that for me, and I want that for you, and I think you want that for you. But it is not an easy battle. I don't know whether you uh, read the Washington Post, but there was a great little article in the Washington Post last Sunday uh, that is worth your time. You can still, if you get, get, if you get the uh, electronic version, you can still hunt it down. I did it this week to see if I could do it. The lead piece in the arts and style section was about Jewel. Heard her, the singer, songwriter, poet. Uh, and it's all about her road to contentment that took her through what she described as a messy journey. You read that article and you're going to see the battle that she fought over, what do I want versus what do I really value? And you're going to see where her life directed by the solid values that she landed on turned out to be wise and got her to what do I really want? But what her life, when her life was driven by what do I want right now, it produced regrets. And her professed goal at now at age 43 is to try to help people <laughs> get, get to a better place without all the pain that she endured before she figured it out. Now, I think the person in Scripture who best describes this battle we wrestle with uh, is the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee, absolutely hated Christians because he was a solid, solid Jew. He did everything he could do to put the Church of Jesus Christ out of business. Good law-keeping Jewish guy. But something happened. He met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He ultimately became a Jesus follower, and he ended up starting churches all over the Roman Empire. One of the letters he wrote was to a bunch of Christians to a place he'd never been, which was in Rome. Now, if you were a Christian living in Rome in 40, 50 AD, not necessarily a safe place to be, uh, but there were hundreds of Christians there. And uh, he let, wrote this letter and he's kind of in this letter describing a lot of things, but in this particular passage we're going to look at, he's describing this conflict that we've just been talking about, this conflict that we all wrestle with between the natural and the valuable. 
He puts it in terms I think we can understand even if we're three years old. In fact, some of you might actually see this verse and go, you know, hey, that's kind of my life verse. This kind of describes me. Here's what he says. Romans chapter 7. For I do not understand my own actions. I don't understand my own actions. I mean, if you don't like the Bible, you got to like this part because it kind of describes you sometimes, doesn't it? We could all tell a story about something that we did. Then right after we did it, we looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, you idiot. What were you, what were you thinking? Why'd you do this? Why'd you sleep in? Why did you call her? Why did you say that? Why'd you say yes? Why did you get some more of those? Man, I do not understand my own actions. Meaning sometimes I do what I want to do and it's not even what I want to do. Make sense? Just think about that for a second. Why don't you do what you want to do? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? Seriously. But this is kind of the point of today's message, that there is a conflict between what you value and your basic human nature. And it's a pretty big deal. It's not just get more information, get more discipline, and I'll be fine. It's deeper than that. And the Apostle Paul, here's what he says. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do. But I do the very thing I hate. So, I mean, how, how hard is this? You know what you want to do, so just do it. The problem, he knows what he wants to do. But he ends up doing the very thing that he hates to do. He's being very transparent with us here. You know what he's saying? He's saying that there's something I really want. Something that I ultimately want. I know what I really want. But I'm settling for something less than what I ultimately want. And then I end up, and it's a pretty strong word, hating what I settled for. Let me say something to maybe just a few of you. But if we were being honest, isn't, it the, isn't this the case? That some of you right now, you kind of hate yourself. You hate yourself because of what yourself has done. And you were there the whole time. And you like to blame your mom. You like to blame your dad. You like to blame your siblings. You like to blame your boss. You like to blame the world. You all like to blame somebody. But right now, you kind of hate you. Paul says, look, I got to tell you, I understand that. I get that. I've been there. Uh, because I if I continue to do what I really don't want to do, then after a while, I begin to hate what I do. And hating what I do is just yeah, a minor little step away from hating what I see in the mirror. Maybe that's some of you right now. So you understand that this is a big deal to kind of wrestle this to the ground. It's a wrestling match. It's an everyday thing. Maybe it's an every hour thing. And you say, look, I don't know why I do some of the things I do. Paul goes on. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it's good. Now, here's what he's talking about. Paul, Jewish guy, as we said, Pharisee, and he was a really good Pharisee, which means that he was a really good keeper of the law. In fact, Paul would actually say in Scripture that of all the people in the Jewish nation that were trying to keep the law, he was one of the best. This was even before he was a Christian. So I think this struggle he's describing for us was going on even before he became a Christian. He wasn't a bad person before he became a Christian. He was one of the gooder people around. But here's what he's saying. As hard as I tried to be good, and as much as I was committed to wanting to do the law of God, I couldn't pull it off. I knew what I really wanted. I knew what I ultimately wanted. I just couldn't do it. Now, when you and I are thinking about the law, 
we're not thinking about the Jewish law and the 1,300 plus rules that they had. So let's just make this simple for us, bring it down to our level. Maybe the law for you is just that general sense of right and wrong that you have, that you live with every day. And uh, even though if you're not sure that you want to commit 100% to those things you know are right and wrong, you darn well know that you like everybody else around you commit 100% to their sense of right and wrong, right? You know right from wrong. You're trying to be committed to doing right. You want to be a good person. You want to have good relationships. You want to save money. You want to take care of your body. You want to be a good person on the inside, right? You like, want to have deep, deep, rich character. You want to leave a great legacy wherever you go. So you know what you want. But for some reason, you just can't do it. Well, take heart. You're not alone. Because Paul is right there with you. And he says this in chapter 7. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the end evil I want to do, I do not want to do, is what I keep on doing. Now this should make us all feel better. Because this is a guy who ultimately wrote about 75% of the New Testament. Here's a, a guy in the Bible we can actually relate to. It. And what's his point? Well, that's kind of what we're talking about today. It's that we naturally want, that what we naturally want, we all basically have the same natural wants. What we naturally want is often in conflict with what we ultimately want. What we naturally want, what we want now, is often in conflict with what we're actually ultimately going to really want. And what we ultimately really want is what I want to help us understand. That what is ultimately of value to you is often unnatural for you to choose. And the truth is, and you know this, we've all got what we naturally wanted and ended up with the very thing that we ultimately didn't want. Because you know what? When it comes to your nature, <laughs> nature knows nothing of fairness. Nature knows nothing of compassion. If you want to know something about what your human nature is really like, just look at nature. Nature is really only beautiful from a distance. When you get super close to most nature, it's dangerous, and it's harmful, and it's bloody. Here's what you find. There's no forgiveness in nature. No generosity in nature. No compassion in nature. There's no grace in nature. The nature we see all around us and in the animal kingdom is a good picture of what we are like as human beings. That human nature, humans naturally, or human inclinations. Here's what it looks like. If you need a list, it's cheating, it's lying, it's racism, it's adultery, it's me first, it's revenge. You embrace your natural bents. And this is what you're going to look like after a while. And we know that these things are a good way to undermine our own futures, our own careers, our own hopes, our own aspirations. And Paul said some interesting things in another letter he wrote to some Christians in the region of Galatia, which is modern-day Greece. He says this, Now the works of the flesh, and flesh simply is just another word Paul uses to describe this broken, I'll use the word, sinful human nature we're talking about. If you don't like the word sinful, take it out, because it's just your nature. It all goes to the same place. But Christians believe, because the New Testament teaches, and Jesus taught, and Paul elaborated on, that our natures, natural natures, are broken. There's something wrong with me, something wrong with you, something wrong with us. That the solution just isn't more information and discipline, that there's something fundamentally broken in us. And I know that uh, you resist that because it doesn't sound that polite to say it out loud, but all you need to do is prove this to yourself by thinking about this. Do you ever do what you don't want to do? And then you're not really sure why you did it sometimes. And the answer for all of us is yes. Because there's something fundamentally askew. 
So Paul doesn't mind talking about just not, human, not just human nature, but our sinful human nature. He goes this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. In that sense, when you follow the leadings of your natural self, what your human nature just naturally wants, Paul says the results are very clear. In other words, I really don't have to tell you what they are, Paul says. You're very obvious to everybody. You already know what he's saying. You could put a big whiteboard up on the screen. We could all sort of throw out the ideas and they, we could fill out the list. But uh, Paul says, yep, that's me for sure. That's them for you. That's you for sure. Paul says, okay, I know you know the answer, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Here's what he says. Here's what, here's what your nature looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and just in case you left one out, things like these. Let's just take jealousy for the purposes of our argument. What is the deal with this ugliness as part of our human nature? I mean, we naturally, don't we, tend to celebrate when other people have a setback? You'll get some news about somebody maybe that you really like, somebody that you know, somebody that maybe you even admire. Maybe it's some bad news. They got a little financial setback or their kid didn't get into their, their best school uh, or the kid lost a scholarship. And look, look, without even thinking about it, I mean, there's no conscious decision you're making. But the first thing you feel is, yes. Why is that? And you think, oh my gosh, where'd that come from? It's ugly. Yeah, yeah, it's ugly. You know where it is? It's in you. It's in me. To celebrate someone else's misfortune, part of our nature. You got a friend. They're always in shape. But the next time you see them, they put on a few pounds. You're happy. What does that have to do with you? Nothing. Does it make you a better person? Nope. But you're just kind of happy to see that they're struggling with something. Struggling with that weight thing. What is that? Well, you know what it is. You can call it whatever you want. Come up with your own definition, but you just can't deny that it's true. But the New Testament writers say that it's actually sin operating in us. It's our broken human nature. That's our flesh. And we know people, probably even our own families, that are right now destroying what they really want ultimately because of what they want to do right now. And they're wondering, why in the world am I doing this stuff? But before we pile on all those people, all these things have the potential in our lives to do the same thing. Because why? They come naturally to us. The odds are that one or more of these things have probably kept most of us from getting what we ultimately really want. I mean, so it's a big deal. No matter how much you know, no matter how disciplined you are, it's a daily, daily battle. But here's why we're talking about it for these few weeks. This is a battle that can be won. There's a way to embrace a valuable over natural. There's a way to get what you really, truly want, what you were created for, what you were designed for. Now, the last passage I want to look at, again, we're going back to the book of James, Jesus' own brother. He says, he gives us a word picture. I think it actually helps us on this. He kind of puts it in perspective for us. And maybe it's earthy enough to get our attention. Here's what he says in James chapter 1. But each person, he's writing to Christians, by the way, each person is tempted when he is lured. Great insight. Here we have a person who wants to do the right thing, right? He is trying to do the right, respond the right way, trying to develop a good habit, maybe, trying to embrace value over natural, trying to embrace what they really, really ultimately want, but then something comes along, like a lure on a hook and drags them away. And that's the battle. That's where we all live. That's the struggle. That's valuable versus natural going head to head. James says this, and they're enticed by their own desires. They knew what they wanted. 
but they're lured away, they're dragged away. Something in us allows us to be dragged away by him, by her, by that, by work, by pleasure, by something. James says, look, then this desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings death. Our natural selves. The Bible just calls it our natural tendency to want to sin. Our natural selves ultimately just kill stuff. What are the natural wants in us ultimately undermine our future? Sin undermines how we see ourselves. For we come to a place where we say, look, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm starting to hate myself. And then James ends where I want to end today. He looks at the people who will read his letter. He's imagining the children, the families he'll never meet. He's writing to Christians, including us. And he says this, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers, and I'll include sisters. He says this because he knows how easily deceived we are. He knows how easily distracted we can be by what we want right now that we actually forget what we ultimately really, really want. It's like he's reaching across 2,000 years of human history, grabbing us by the collar and saying, don't be deceived. Don't trade ultimate for immediate. Students, don't be deceived. Singles, don't be deceived. Men, women who travel, don't be deceived. Married couples who are struggling a little bit, starting to look around, don't be deceived. Don't trade ultimate for immediate. Don't trade valuable for natural, right? Don't be deceived. In my previous career, I did a ton of recruiting. I sort of told them when they said, that I want you to, we want you to be in management. I said, look, if you want me to manage people and you're going to evaluate my performance based on how I manage these people, I want to have some say over who I'm managing. I want to have some responsibility to determine who's going to work for me. And they said, okay. Well, in large part because I already demonstrated the capacity for being able to fare out star performers from the also-ran lookalikes. So I did a ton of work at college campuses, talking to undergraduate, grad students who were dreaming of a career that would require them to be entrusted with a top secret code word security clearance. And despite their stated goals, of that as a career goal, I could talk to you about the thousands I know who let what they wanted to do right now completely derail the opportunity to do what they really wanted later. Not because of a lack of GPA. Not because they had a lack of extracurricular activities. Not because they didn't have fantastic community service hours, but because those once now evidenced a flawed set of values and character. And I can't describe the tears, the heartbreak, the sorrow that was evoked when you find out that what you really want, you can't have. Because what you wanted now derailed what you wanted later. This is what drives me. It breaks my heart where men, women, Singles, married couples, teens, kids, students do things that undermine their future. Things that are going to keep them from doing and being what they ultimately really want. I mean, aren't there really enough tough things in life that you don't control? Things that you don't have a say over? There's going to be things that make it difficult for you and your marriage that you don't even control, have no control over. There might be things that might make it difficult for you to graduate that you have no control over. Plenty of stuff in the world that we got no control over. So why do we choose to undermine our own future for opting for what comes natural over what we really want ultimately? And when I see people do that, it just breaks my heart. It's why I believe that whether you are a Christian or not, following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. Because Jesus will force you to focus on the ultimate and point you past the immediate. He will point you to valuable. 
and not simply just natural. Maybe you're not even sure about this Jesus, Son of God thing. Just do what people were told to do in the, Old Test- in the New Testament. Do what Jesus told people. Hey, just follow me around. Just follow me. Take a baby step. Follow him. And despite what you've heard, Christianity is not some buzzkill. It's God the Father stepping into human history to point us to something better than our broken, misguided inclinations. It's the best thing because he wants the best for us. And yeah, we believe in heaven and eternity, that's for sure. But beyond all that, following Jesus will simply make your life better and make you better at it. Listen, I'm not some master teacher up here who's got this all figured out. Every day of my life, I've got to resist being lured away, just like you, enticed away, just like you, dragged away, just like you. But as some of you know, it's worth the battle. It's worth it to fix our eyes on something that goes beyond just what we want right now. So, what do you really want? What is most important to you? And do you find that you keep being dragged away from that? from what you actually really, really want by what you naturally want. So here's what you do between now and next week. By the bottom of the page you have, there's three questions. First one is this, what do you really want? Spend some time thinking about that. Maybe you want a Tesla, okay. What's the value behind that? What's driving that want? What's the value you are pursuing? Then secondly, what is it that keeps dragging you away. You hear a message like this and you think, okay, I'm going to go for it. But something keeps dragging you away. Something keeps luring you away. What is it that drags you, lures you, entices you away? This might be a question you, you may not feel comfortable answering with your parents or your, even your spouse. But you've got to be honest with yourself. What keeps reaching up and dragging you away? And then lastly, how long? How much longer? Do you plan to let this keep dragging you away? Another day? Another week? Another month? Another year? Another, another season of your life? Another marriage? Or once the kids are gone? Until you get married? <laughs> you think that you can stop it dragging you away just because you get married? Anybody here who's married knows better. I do does not mean you can all of a sudden. I do doesn't mean I will either. I do means that I, I do doesn't mean anything. I do does not mean that you are prepared for anything other than what you are currently doing. How long do you plan to let what you naturally want drag you away from what you ultimately want? So, ponder those things this week. Answer those questions. Come back next week. You'll be in the saddle. We'll pick it up from there. Let's pray.